Hi, this is G. Craig Lewis here again with another installment of our EX cast um, where we talk about issues that are affecting the body of Christ and give biblical understanding and solutions to many of them. And today I have a very special guest with me, a very powerful woman of God who is burning up the trail, traveling and speaking and just doing a wonderful job for the body of Christ and for our youth. It is none other than um, evangelist Crystal Wooden. How are you doing, Crystal? I'm doing well. Glad to be here. Well, it's good to have you here, and uh, it's good to have another woman on the X-Cast, and um, a woman that is doing wonderful things in the body of Christ, and I really just appreciate uh, your loyalty to God and your loyalty to helping uh, our youth and our, our young ladies as well. And I wanted to just deal with some issues um, with you. Being a single black female in ministry, uh, I just kind of wanted to deal with some uh, things with you because there are a lot of um, perceptions of the female minister and the female um evangelists you know a lot of misconceptions out there a lot of bad examples I guess I would say and I just kind of appreciate the way you've approached ministry could you give us just a little bit of background about yourself and kind of uh, you know what you're doing ministry wise sure well I'm um, here in Raleigh North Carolina and I'm 25 years old at this time and began in ministry well the Lord called me into ministry when I was actually about 14 years old and at the time I was just working in church and was a musician went on and achieved uh, education went to North Carolina State University and got a degree in business management and went on to Chapel Hill and got a master's of social work and it was actually after that time that the Lord actually released me in the actual preaching ministry as far as traveling and being able to minister to different people and throughout my entire life I had since I got saved when I was about 12 years old um, I would always participate in evangelistic ministry just going out on the streets and telling people about the Lord I would participate in a program called LKC Ladies of the King's Court where we would minister to the lives of young women and ministering praise and worship and all those different sorts of things and what that did was it gave me a, a well-rounded perspective on what ministry is and what ministry is about. As you know, um, my father is the pastor of Upper Room Church of God in Christ here in Raleigh. And in that experience, I was exposed to women from different walks of life who are involved in ministry. My very own mother is involved in ministry, and she is a homemaker, and she supports my father in his ministry. And then I was exposed to other evangelists like Evangelist George Rogers or um, another prophetess who were full-time in ministry but yet lived their lives as women according to the Word of God. I believe that the, the Word of God is, is evident and replete in examples of women who are in ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that one of the things that has brought about some of the chaos for women in ministry is that um, prior to the 90s and the 70s and if you go to some churches even now there is still a extremely oppressive and repressive view of a woman's role in general and a woman's role in ministry in particular 
um, just the idea that a woman should not preach or some organizations are so specific to say that a woman can teach but she can't preach or a woman shouldn't squall or just all of those things and you don't find that in the word of God and then you go to the other side of the spectrum where women believe that it is okay some women believe that it is okay to be married and to have children and to completely abandon that that you have at home to go out on the road and I believe that both of those extremes are wrong mm-hmm. um, my approach is that first of all that ministry is not something that you should pursue as if you're pursuing a career I believe that ministry should be something that pursues you um, I don't have business cards and uh, you know all those kinds of things I really walked into ministry as the Lord began to open doors mm-hmm. um, and that's how I will continue to do it hopefully I'll give you some business cards eventually I need to get <laughs> on point <laughs> but that's how I will continue in ministry because I believe that and I think that that should be for anyone male and female because I believe that one of the things that makes an individual an effective minister is the life that they live not just as to whether they are um, sexually moral or not or all of those things but I think that a good minister is a person who has a well-rounded life because in order for ministry to be effective you have to be able to minister to various parts of a person's life um, I think that a good minister is a good past, is a good father, um, is a good person who understands how to hold down a job, is a person who understands how to run a household. And when you have people in ministry who have never had any of those experiences, they just kind of went to Bible college and then went straight into ministry, although that person can be very anointed and can be very effective and can have a gift and a skill that can be for the edifying of the body, the well-rounded experience that is needed that we have to teach our parishioners about, you may not have. And so right. that's really been the approach that God has given me. And um, I'm about to be married. We'll be getting married in November. And both of us are in ministry. And that's one of the things that we talk about a lot where we are giving each other the freedom to pursue ministry, but we both approach marriage with the mindset that marriage is something that will definitely come first, that will be our first pursuit, because that's what the Word of God teaches us. Well, that's, that's, that's good to hear. And, you know, I, I think that the perception also of an effective seat, and I'm just going to be real, and let's, we're just going to be real here. Mm-hmm. The... Um, the perception of an effective minister has been so distorted, especially the female aspect. Right. Because I hear women, and I'm, I'm specifically talking about Juanita Bonham and others that kind of follow her type or her style, or T.D. Jakes. Mm-hmm. The style of preaching, they call it preaching, teaching while you're bleeding. You know, the, the idea that you have to be you have to have experienced a sin-filled life. You have to have a, you know, a wrecked past. You have to have made all the mistakes that the people you're ministering to have made to be effective. Mm-hmm. That is what people are looking at now and saying, "This is who I need to minister. I need somebody that can understand where I come from." I'm, I was watching uh, TBN the other day and. I'm just, I, it was hard to watch, but I, I went ahead and did it. Uh, but Juanita Bynum on there made the statement that, you know, I can't teach. 
you, you can't teach folks in Hollywood or folks that's going through stuff if you're not going through what they're going through. And if they don't want to hear scriptures, the first thing they want to hear is, you know, um, have you been through what I've been through? Mm. And so basically all of our people in ministry now, most of the men have had some kind of homosexual activity in their past. Mm -hmm. And now they glory in that, that, well, I've experienced, you know, a, a stank man. So I know exactly what you're going through or mm -hmm. all the women have, you know, babies out of wedlock, uh, failed marriages you know, weren't virgins when they married, this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so these are the people that are always lifted up and, and, and called, and they get all the calls, all the engagements, because mm -hmm. people want to hear them talk about what all they did and how God brought them out. Now, but your, your testimony is totally different from that. Right, right. Well, I thank God that, again, getting married this year, and the man that I married will be the first man that will have ever had any sexual encounter with me and I definitely know that God is a keeper and that is something that I minister through when I'm talking to individuals. I think that I think people are tired or or I think we're eventually going to get tired of hearing about the crud and the trash in people's personal lives. I think that one of the problems is that we approach church with a mindset of entertainment. We are looking out, what we're looking for out of our preachers is similar to what we're looking for out of a Dr. Phil or out of the Oprah show. We're looking for someone to talk to us and tell us things or give us wisdom from their own perspectives or from what they've been through. And we're not directing people back to the Word of God. Um, the only superstar and the only savior in the body of Christ should be Jesus Christ himself. Mm -hmm. And we as ministers, if we do have audiences who say, I don't want to hear a scripture, I don't want to hear uh, about Jesus, I just want to hear what you've been through, then it is our duty and it is our call. It is, it is the mandate that God has put on our lives to direct people back to the Word of God. And I think that we have kind of convoluted the, the message of Jesus Christ because we have put so much flesh in our preachings. I mean, um, not just people like Juanita Bonham. I listened to Joyce Meyer, Joyce, uh, Joyce Meyer minister on occasion, and it just amazes me that on her broadcast, she can preach for 30 minutes, and it never fails. She's going to spend at least 20 minutes talking about herself. She's always going to go back to when she was molested. She's always going to go say something about her and her husband. And while it's important that people know that you are a well-rounded person, we need to hear about Jesus. I don't want to hear every time you minister about something that's going on in your personal life because then what you are selling me is yourself, mm -hmm. and you're not keeping me focused on the cross. Paul said we preach Jesus. We preach Christ and Him crucified. That is what we preach. That is our mandate. And because we are in a time now, we're in the time that the Word of God spoke about, where people would keep to themselves, teachers having engineers. We're in the church uh, in Revelation chapter 4, where we're having a lot of church. There's a whole lot going on. Because, but Jesus is on the outside of the church, knocking trying to get in there somewhere, seeing if he can squeeze in, because we have become so celebrity and so status-driven. And it's just a part of the falling away from Christian doctrine. And when I look at the trend, it's kind of like the chicken or the egg type thing. I'm not sure if 
the um, beginning of this trend came in the pre in preachers preaching this way, where they talk about themselves, or if it began with the audience actually having that desire to hear more of the stories and the fables of what a per of how a person is. And um, even in the even in terms of Prophetess Juanita Bynum, the more that she talks about herself, um, really the more evident that it is that there are a lot of issues there and um, there are a lot of things there that could all but disqualify her from ministering. Um, <laughs> because the thing that we've got to know is that for some people, their past really isn't their past. Uh, it takes time to be delivered. If you were walking in homosexuality, if you were on drugs, if you were, uh, you were a prostitute, you were on crack cocaine or whatever, you need time to let the Lord really deliver you out of that thing. Because if you're not completely and totally delivered, you will be preaching through that mess and will be preaching through that junk. And what we'll find ourselves doing is listening to people who are not qualified to lead us. I mean, you know yourself, we have just come out of a season where so many of our quote-unquote front-running preachers, um, both male and female, have been found to be doing some just absolutely despicable things, mm -hmm. um, from getting people pregnant in their congregation uh, to engaging in sexual assault. And some of the things that you can find out about these preachers are just downright embarrassing. I mean, having sex and stuff with women so outrageous that it sends them to the hospital. And these are the people that we're looking to, to preach us the Word of God. And one mm -hmm. of the things that I heard Prophetess Bynum say in one of her messages is that she said that, you know, we can't do, talking about the various things that Christians proclaim and the various things that we're not able to do, and she was saying that we have become a joke to the church. And I think this trend of wanting to have, taking someone who's been in the depths of the depths of sin, and, and not to say that God can't deliver, not to say that that person is not a testimony of the power of God, but to take somebody who's been in that stuff and is still there and has one foot there and one foot in the church, that does make us look like a joke. And that's really what we have become. You have the Steve Harveys and the Cedric the Entertainers. They make a joke of us all the time. And mm -hmm. it's amazing that the closer that they come to us, especially Steve Harvey, Steve has been on MegaFest, um, and he, he emceed the celebration of gospel. What amazes me is that the closer he comes to Christians, the harder he's joking us. He has not seen, apparently, an example of Jesus Christ, an example of clean living in any, in any of the people that he has come in conversation with, which shows us that we're not living the lifestyle. You know, Jesus said, let your light so shine that men may see your good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. Um, Peter said in First Peter chapter 2, he was talking about having our conversation or our behavior honest and pure in front of the Gentiles so that they may see the things that they are doing and that they may be ashamed and glorify God in the day of visitation. Mm -hmm. um, he said the same thing about knowing what the will of God is and, and well-doing, making evil uh, appear foolish and putting to silence the ignorance of foolishness in case we have forgotten the the point or god's primary purpose for preaching is not just 
soothing and entertaining church folks. Mm-hmm. Our purpose here is that we may live a life and preach a message that will convict the sinner and call them out of their sin. Right. And this this uh, desire that we be entertained and that I can see somebody who's just like me, who's just like me, and I'm in church and I'm pregnant by the same Joe for the third time. Oh, I need to hear somebody talk about that. And we want to hear someone talk about that because we're not trying to come out of it. When God has changed you and when you've truly been delivered, there is nothing in you that wants to hear about the crud of your past. And I think that that's one of the things that happens even with Prophetess Bynum. I, when I look at her ministry, and I was telling you that her ministry is something that Two months ago, I probably would not have known anything about because I, I believe the Word of God in Romans that tells us to mark those who teach the Word contrary to the doctrine. He says to mark them and avoid them. But when you look at her ministry, um, a lot of what you see is entertainment. And in my opinion, in all honesty, I don't believe that her audience watches her or are attracted to her necessarily for a word from the Lord. Right. I believe that what they see in her is someone whom they can vicariously live their own lives, someone whom they can fantasize and want to be like. Um, it's kind of like that comic book, storybook character. You know, it's, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. You know, no, it's Juanita Bynum. <laughs> and, you know, anytime you have a group of people that are going through um, an oppressed or depressed situation or a crisis, and whether anybody knows it or not, I believe that this is a time of crisis for African-American women. And anytime you have that, there emerges and entertainment in whether it's TV or it's music or it's literature, there emerges some hero that is the epitome of what people are trying to be. When we were on the verge of the women's liberation movement in this country, if you paid attention to television during that time, we had Sheba and we had Wonder Woman because this is what women were trying to be. They were trying to get out there and get away from the uh, uh, presumed oppressiveness of the home and of the children and get out there and just take the world by storm. So we had Wonder Woman. And I think now... We're at a place where we have a black woman who, whether she's doing well or she's not doing well, has to face very difficult situations. Um, We already know about the statistics that bear out that the black woman is the prime candidate, is the number one candidate for STDs and AIDS. We already know that because of uh, the download culture and because of the prison system and because of, frankly, there are a lot of black men who are not interested in black women who are dating white women, that we already know that numerically there is a great possibility that a whole lot of black women won't have husbands and every woman um, who's in her right mind wants to eventually be married while on the flip side if you even take the positive statistics uh, women are in a difficult place because we know that the better that we do the more we own businesses the more we make money the better we do in this world the less likely we are to get married because um, Tyler Perry is kind of convincing us that we should just go ahead and marry the mechanic go ahead and marry the bus driver even though you were a lawyer but you know as sad as that seems (laughs) That's a reality for the life that we're living now. So in these times, at this state of crisis, black women are, and at least that that audience that she ministers to, they're looking for some kind of hero, someone 
to emerge and give some semblance of strength and to kind of give us a feeling that despite all of this, we're going to be okay. And I believe that that's what Juanita Bynum does for these people because when she preaches, I believe her audience is a group of women who lack self-confidence and when she preaches she exudes self-confidence um she's on the verge of almost haughtiness but that's what they need to see um many of them they are i mean and i'm not i don't know them but i'm just judging her audience off of the things that she says about Mm -hmm. her audience um many of them are unable to uh clean up their credit and start a business and do the things that, that god gave them to do many many years ago and here they are still speaking in tongues but haven't accomplished the thing but there she stands having done so well that she's getting ready to hang it up her her role in the church is over she has accomplished so much um you have women who are depressed and, and oppressed because of their situation and their statuses with the men in their life they're going through divorces uh they've been dating the same guy for eight years and he still has not proposed but then you can see her and she's going through a divorce at this present moment and it doesn't even seem to phase her it doesn't bother her so you know as sick and as twisted as that seems in our minds to be able to look out and see this person who can do all of that you know who could go through the same things i'm going through and can beat all the odds that's almost heroic and that's sad and it's a shame that we come to church looking for that kind of entertainment it is a statement and it is an indictment on who we are as an audience Mm. it is it it speaks to the truth of the word that said that these deceivers would wax worse and worse and that they would come into the homes of silly women who are laden with sin Uh, the bible even said in first peter that they would deceive the hearts of the unstable um so that desire for entertainment and that desire to say you know to play that game of one up well you know i had five children um the only way you can preach to me is if you had ten you know that's just foolishness (laughs) and it just shows that our focus is not on jesus christ and the word of god at all anymore and see the way they try to disqualify a person like you who is a virgin who's marrying who has a degree who's you know very successful i think in this life and a very strong example which i hope people when they hear this they bring you to talk to their youth and not some stupid people but (laughs) you're a very good example right now of uh you know um what god can do through a person that dedicates their life to him but people would disqualify you because they would hear a Juanita Bonham or a Paula White say that if you don't have a past or if you haven't been through all of that, then you can't relate. And you got to talk to somebody who has done all this and messed up and God has delivered them. But if that is true, then that disqualifies Jesus right. from his whole ministry. Right. And that shows, again, <laughs> it shows a lot about where we are. Uh, when you are looking for a deliverance... I, I don't need you to relate to me. I need you to say something or let the power of God move through you so that I can be delivered. And again, it shows where we are. We're coming to church and we are so comfortable. We are dwelling in our past. And that's the thing. It's not the the audience's past. It's where they are right now. And it's not a place that they're trying to come out of. They want to stay. If you have not lived with someone and shacked up with someone, you can't talk to me. Why? 
I? I never shared that with someone. I'm an African-American woman, too. I'm a good-looking woman, too. I like men, too. So, and if I didn't shack up to a good husband, why can't I talk to you? Well, I'm not trying to stop shacking up. I want to keep shacking <laughs> and go. get a husband. We're not looking for a deliverance. When the demoniac of Gadara saw Jesus Christ, he ran to Jesus Christ, who had never dwelt in the tombs, who had never been uh, possessed with demonic spirits. And he ran to him and worshipped him, and Christ was able to, to speak the word, and the demons were cast out of him. Mm -hmm. And again, we've got to stop looking, coming to church, looking to be entertained, and we've got to come to church looking to be delivered. I want to come out. You know, we should want to come out of those things that are part of our past. And I just don't believe that that that, that is right now one of our primary targets and our prim primary goals. Um, and I think that one of the other things that is true about this time is that a lot of us want to be uh, coddled. A lot of us want to be made to feel okay where we are. And, 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 and we want to have a message of the gospel preached to us that makes us feel that there is peace between us and God, regardless of the fact that we're not changing. And I'm not interested in preaching that kind of message. Mm -hmm. Jesus said that every vine that bears not fruit, he is going to purge and he's going to cut it off. Um, Jesus, I don't know whether people know this or not, but the God that we serve is not interested in coddling us and pacifying us and leaving us in the same uh, silly mess all the time. God is looking at our lives and He is looking to see growth. He is looking to see change. Um, with all that He has made available to us, there is no reason why we can go to church and still be shacking up, still be sleeping around. Um, there's no reason why we can't clean our credit up, why we can't go back to school, why we can't do the things that we ought to be doing. Uh, we have the power through Jesus Christ to make all of those things happen. Um, where I work, I am a human resources manager and I was doing an interview with a young lady and um, we have a Christian school here in Raleigh, North Carolina, so anyone that works there has to be a born again Christian. And I, I remember just, you know, talking about, you know, her walk with the Lord and, and, you know, just all those kinds of things. And I noticed that she was pregnant and I noticed that she didn't have on a ring, but I just assumed, you know, sometimes your hands swell up, you know, you go through all kinds of changes. You know, maybe her ring's not fitting her finger anymore, what have you. And um, so, I, you know, I was trying to get to that in a roundabout way, and we were talking about her, and she was telling me how she was in church and how she was a member, a minister in her church. And and as we talked, um, I came to find, came to know from her that her pregnancy was her second pregnancy from a boyfriend that she had been living with for the last four years. And her role in church was that she was a Sunday school teacher, and she was the leader of the girls' group. Oh, my goodness. And I'm looking at her thinking to myself, what are you teaching these girls? What lifestyle, what in the world do you have to offer to teach them anything about being saved? Um, if I were to walk in church and if I had a daughter and my daughter's uh, teacher was someone who was pregnant by her boyfriend for the second time, which, you know, the first time I can say that you made a mistake, but the second time, you're just stupid. You're not trying to change. Mm -hmm. You know, there is no way that this person can be an example. 
And I believe that because we don't have an example, Paul told Timothy, be thou an example to the believers in faith and hope and charity and in conversation. Again, we've gotten so far from the Word of God that challenges the way we live. You know, and I believe that someone who has not gone through those things is an example of the keeping power of God. And we have examples of the deliverance power of God, but we need examples of the keeping power of God. And again, we're having a difficult time winning the world, and not just winning the world, but people don't even look to the church for answers as they used to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the the issue before last, Time Magazine was talking about how um, President Bush and Hillary Clinton and others were having a roundtable discussion with uh, Billy Graham. And I just and I just thought that was just you know just so beautiful that they were talking to Billy Graham, but it occurred to me that they had to reach way past all of these people on TBN, all of these people on TV, all of these people who are frankly young, you know, who you know still kind of have it or still still have their vitality. They had to reach all the way back to the preacher who preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ to find somebody that they could have a serious conversation with Mm -hmm. about the things that are going on uh, at this time. And the church is losing its foothold and we are becoming self-serving and good for nothing but our own selves because we have such a desire to be entertained. And I'm just not, I don't believe that God called me to entertain. I'm just not going to do that. Well, and it's good that you don't. And the teenagers, you know, that is the group that they're, they're going to be either or all the way. And I watched right. the young women on the front line thing that Juanita Bonham had where she was up before. And, you know, I want to say this. If what she says is true, that you have to have experienced it, you have to have been through it in order to teach it, what is she up teaching kids for? And she, she don't have no kids as far as yeah, I know. Or, or how can you teach a Teach Me to Love You seminar after one year of marriage? <laughs> I don't care if it was... Martha and Apostle Paul, if they got married, nobody married for a year has any business teaching anybody anything about marriage. You're just getting through the honeymoon. You don't even know each other's shoe sizes good yet. Yeah, and then this is both of y'all's second marriage. Right, And, exactly. and, and that disqualifies you already because you have no real testimony. And then when another divorce comes... It seems like these women that are following her would say, okay, this is trying to tell me something. Mm -hmm. I mean, can they put two and two together and say, okay, something is wrong with this picture. Why do you think that these women, you know, totally get defensive? I wrote an article um, on our website, a blog called uh, Jezebel's uh, Mm -hmm. Finest Hour. And people were printing it out and passing it out and stuff. And some women, as soon as they read the first line, they just tear it up. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you get? How do you get to that point? Well, I think that again, you know, if we talk about the history and, and moving forward, um, I think that that church has been a place. Um, you know, has been a place not where, where women have been oppressed, but you know, church has been a place where women have kind of sometimes, and some sects and some denominations have been made to feel as if they are second-class citizens. Um, you know, because we don't have a real understanding of the Word of God, women are offended at the Word of God. They teaches them to submit and to obey, and all those other kinds of things. And so um, they've come to a we've come to a place now where where again we have a hero. 
and Prophetess Juanita Bynum. And you got to understand that she is a she has she has her own place in that industry and in that market because she exudes a strength and she um, really preaches a message that is false, but it's, it's false in the sense of rat poison where it's about 10% rat poison, about 90% something that's halfway uh, useful and halfway good. Um, and I would say, I would definitely say that I think that more than 10% of what is taught by her is, is dangerous. But, you know, just kind of given the analogy, and I think that they get a lot of good out of her. You have to understand that we are in a climate right now where, and, and this is not true for the whole body of Christ, but this is for, true for the TBN crowd, for the conference crowd. And again, you have to remember, we're talking about that, that crowd of believers, but you know, for that crowd, we don't have a lot of strong men. I believe that as a woman, being a woman myself, we as women are always looking for security. We're always looking for something that quote-unquote holds us down. And our men that are out there in that industry are just not doing that. Um, they are so soft and so effeminate that they don't present a sense of security and that effeminacy and that softness and that unwillingness to lead um, is even a part of some women's everyday reality because their husbands and their sons are the same way. Um, you know, in the body of Christ or, or right now, some of our leading preachers are so soft that they our bishops write books about being a mother. <laughs> so if you're out here and you're a woman and you're like women have, are and have always been and you're looking for security, when you have a woman who will stand up and will teach you how to be a bulldog, as strange as that is and as odd and wrong as that is, in a world where our men are, are writing about how to be a woman or are taking the time to identify more with being a woman than with being men, you have a climate where you need to learn how to be a bulldog. And if Juanita Bonham is going to be the one that teaches me how to do these things, then that's the one that I'm going to be attracted to. I, I was having a conversation with someone about five days ago, and we were talking about the upcoming political campaign. And they, we were talking about some of the Democratic um, hopefuls, and they were asking me who I would vote for. And I told them that, you know, I have never wanted a woman, you know, as president. I think that the, the, the challenge, um, not just in this country, but when you're talking about in the context of dealing with Islamic countries who are already mad at us because of the freedom that women have in this country, to have a female president would just drive them insane. I think they blow us up overnight. But if you look at Hillary Clinton juxtaposed to Jonathan Edwards, if you look at her juxtaposed to, you know, Barack Obama, who seems masculine, but just seems so young and boyish. And then you have some of the uh, Republican candidates, and some of them, you know, I could vote for, but you don't know where they stand. And, and you know, some of them are so outrageously immoral, I couldn't sleep at night voting for them. You know, what I said to them, I think Hillary Clinton is the toughest man running for president. <laughs> and if you look at... Uh, Juanita Bynum in the context of these men that are out here and these, uh, you know, some of these other, even some of the other women that are here, Juanita Bynum is the strongest, toughest thing going and she's teaching women how to be tough and how to be strong. Again, 
in a climate and in a context where men are so weak, not just the men on TV, but that thing that's sitting on the couch that won't work, that guy that if I ask him what he thinks, he never has an opinion, he never has an idea. If there's an extra job to be gotten, I have to go out and get the job. Or, you know, she's raising the children by herself, or she's single, she's got to make her own money, has to fend for ourselves. So you have to understand, the black woman right now, in so many ways, and it's so unfortunate, she's one of the few women who are on a whole, if you look at, look at it statistically, we are fending for ourselves. So we don't have time in many of their minds for anybody, male or female, teaching us how to be soft. We need to learn how to be strong. And Juanita Bonham is coming in to this particular group of people, and she's teaching them how to be hard, how to be strong. She's their hero. And really who I blame for that really are the soft men. We need men in our community who are raising their children, who are standing up in the forefront, and they, they need to be on the front lines. We don't need to be on the front lines getting shot, being the first ones to get shot, and that's how it is right now. Yeah. We're the first one on the front lines. We're getting up the earliest and going to work in many of these households. This is not my experience, but for many, yeah. this is their experience, and so they are on the front lines, and since you've got to be there anyway, you might as will learn how to be the bulldog, how to be the watchdog, how to be the bullfrog and everything else because that's your experience right now. And I really hope that that the men of God will take this time and see that we need them so much. I believe that in the 80s and even in the early 90s, women's groups like the National Organization of Women, you know, who you don't even hear about anymore, but them and, and, and various movements that were going along with their movement um, at that time kind of talked us out of the need for strong men. You know, kind of tried to make us feel that a strong man um, is something that we don't need. You know, we got the Bill Cosby image of a man who's fumbling and stumbling and stupid, and I think that that image was permeated so much in the media and, and was was given so much in the women's rights and the women's live propaganda that women believed in. And mm-hmm. so we became attracted to the weaker man and we began to marry the weaker man and then the very masculine, very uh, strong uh, man began to tone himself down and try to come in contact with his feminine side. Yes. But I think that that trait and that trend has come full circle. Now we got to live with these soft jokers and now we're saying, hey, the joke is over. Can the real men please stand up that's that, that's so powerful crystal i i mean you have hit the nail on the head when you know when td jakes first surfaced a few years ago and you know he was kind of uh acting feminine in the way mm-hmm. he does and then he began to do all of the women's conferences and different things i began to preach against what he was doing even before he had megafest because i could see mm-hmm. the flip-flop how he was making the men emotional and making the women the leading ladies well now we're at the point now where you know this situation arises with one of his so-called daughters and all of his daughters are you know the the two main ones Paula White and and Juanita Bonham are leaving their husbands and then the men are getting caught up in a lot of immoral activity and different things and he's just kind of quiet and now he's on Dr. Phil and brought Dr. Phil on TBN it's like a just a big softening up and and 
exhausting. tapping into the the woman in the man movement and you go to his church most of the men there are either down low or homosexual or whatever so we're seeing a big shift and what it's doing is it's messing up the order of God where now the women are in position to have to you know it's like we got single mothers that are in the church now spiritually single mothers or spiritually mm -hmm. no men around mm -hmm. spiritually Absolutely. no covering no covering whatsoever I think what you're saying is so true and especially in terms of the single the the, the spiritual single mother I was at a church not too long ago and and ironically I found out after I left that it was that the a woman was a pastor of the church and and you know the walls were pink and uh, we were at a musical and you know how that is in oh, black yeah. church and I just sat there and counted on one hand the number and tried to count the number of straight guys that were in there because there were so many uh, blatantly flagrantly homosexual men in that church and other than the two guys that were with me one of them was my fiance and another gentleman I mean I counted two men who looked straight and one of them was about 85 years old <laughs> and you know it was just like what in the world is going on in our church and 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 you know the softening of men is so apparent as, as all the negative things could say about um uh, Al Sharpton and people like that and all the, the the bad things that you can say how they're always in the media and they're always out there trying to do something you know what that brother has some utility and some usefulness usefulness in our community he calls himself you know a watchdog and you know I believe as much as you know people like that may get on your nerves when Gen Gen 6 goes down or when when it's time to address hip-hop in America or it's time for somebody to stand up and defend you know the indefensible black women against uh, 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 Don Imus, he was there. You know, here he is, a black man on the front lines dealing with the issues. And it just disturbs me and frustrates me that the so-called uh, leading men in the black church who are on TV, uh, when, when issues go down, not just in the world, because forget about it, I don't think anybody takes them serious enough to, to call on them when something is on on a national level but not just there but when something goes on in the house with their own kids so to speak with their own spiritual sons and daughters they don't say a word mm -hmm. they don't come to their defense they don't dog them out and not only do they leave the their people hanging but the church at large you know all of these folks go to your conferences and all of these folks you know are, are hearing these people who got big standing on your platform and there are you better believe that there are women who are broken and who are hurt to see the recent trend things that are going on with Juanita Bynum and to have people like Jake's who are not saying a word that is just so irresponsible and it reminds me of the word of God both in Jude and in Second Peter chapter mm -hmm. 2 when it talks about these people how they are wells without water yeah. I mean here you are thirsty and you run to the well and there's nothing to drink you right. know and we've got to stop and ask ourselves because anytime anything like this goes on, it's always a question of supply and demand. We've got to ask ourselves, what are we getting from these people? Mm -hmm. You know, what are they really offering us? You can have a good time at the movies. <laughs> Outside of that, what are you really getting from a person that leaves us hanging at a crucial time like this? And I tell people all the time, Tyler Perry is not rich because he is so talented. You know, to put, to put on a dress... 
and to act like a woman to me is the most despicable thing a man can do in life even Hollywood degrades people that do that kind of stuff yeah but Tyler Perry is successful because preachers are preaching the gospel according to Medea Exactly. If, if you listen to what Juanita Bonham has been saying in her woman on the front line when she does the to the left, to the left, and then she does the you better square up, and I, that's Medea. That's Medea. All she's doing is preaching the gospel of Medea. And I've been in churches when I call out Medea and say a mansion upon a woman's dress, folks are ready to leave, Crystal. I mean, you should see the looks on these women's face. They're like, no, don't you talk about Medea like Medea is really here. Yeah. And so when Juanita Bynum gets up and, you know, she got on TBN, Medea was on TBN, and Juanita Bynum says, you are a prophet of laughter. A man that puts on a woman's oh, dress, she deemed him a prophet of laughter, and women in the audience started crying. I mean, oh, lifting their hands up, crying. Oh, Medea is a prophet of laughter. And then they showed a commercial <laughs> on BET when he, you know, he got a, an award. Well, she, I don't know what to call Medea. We just say it. <laughs> it got an award uh, at the celebration of gospel. Now, gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. Right. He got an award, and a lady actually said, uh, I don't go to church, but when I go to a Tyler Perry play i feel like i've been to church oh so here's what's happening christian life i mean art is i mean life is actually imitating art Mm -hmm. and the gospel of medea is being preached you know jake he does his hand you know he bend his wrist and talk with a lips and walk around i mean that's medea that's Medea. I mean, if these guys are preaching the God. He's the one that brought Medea to the church. Mm. Medea wasn't even known until T.D. Jake started using Tyler Perry and bringing him to the forefront of the church. Now we think that's a Christian play, even though ain't nothing Christian about it. They make fun of the church. His, even that show, um, uh, the, oh, the House, House of, of Pain. I call it the House of Pain for the watch. Yeah. But the House of Pain, if you look at it, they, they constantly make fun of prayer. They always praying and they got a joke every time. They constantly using the Lord's name in vain, mm-hmm. playing around with it. And now, Crystal, people have adopted this. This is what church is. So when they come to church, they want to hear who got on crack, who who got pregnant, right? Who's on drugs? Mm-hmm. Who's you know who's sleeping around? Who's committing adultery? Who they want to hear this, and then they want to hear you shouldn't do that. And this is I, I did all of that, and now I'm free. They want to exactly. hear the gospel of Medea. Entertainment, and and you know it's again it's the entertainment, and I think that what has happened is I believe that the black woman and even black society, because you got to understand the issues that are occurring now. Well, black women have been occurring for a long time, and so they've become monuments, not just in the mind of, of other black women, but also in the minds of black men. Because these females, you know, the big mamas, everybody knows about the big mama and community, and big mama raised uh, the boys and the girls. Right. And I think that we have made a monument out of that in and of itself. I remember in Daniel chapter 2, when Nebuchadnezzar had the dream and that could not be interpreted and Daniel eventually interpreted the dream for him and he told him how 
God had established him as king of kings and was going to give him power, honor, and glory in the kingdom. And, you know, and told him about the other things in the dream. And then we opened up Daniel chapter 3. And Nebuchadnezzar has made a golden image out of that, that resembled what Daniel had just told him that God had given him. And so he put this image up and for everybody to worship him. And everybody, when he played the music, everybody had to worship the image of who God had made him to be. And I think that this is where we are um, as a community, that what women have done, with this black experience of the woman led by Jake because you've got to remember although he's a black guy he's 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 made his foothold in the church by ministering to black women because most of what is in the church are black women so I think that we are now erecting gods now to our own experiences hmm. we're erecting gods to to where we've been and what we've done and we're not we've taken the the experiences that God has blessed us to get through prosperously um, you know, it's not as good as it could be, but we are certainly not where we used to be. We're not sweeping floors and mopping white folks' floors to feed our children anymore. Um, you know, some women are still raising children by themselves, but they're going out being lawyers and accountants and hairdressers and whatever else they want to be. Mm -hmm. And God has blessed us, and we're taking that experience that God has brought us through, and we are, have made a monument and a God out of it in and of itself. Right. And when you when you go to a lot of our church services... I mean, it is flesh on parade. We are not worshiping the God of the Bible. We spend so much time talking about ourselves, talking about our experiences, and, uh, and, and, and rehashing all of these things that we've been through. And then we throw a praise to God in somewhere on the end. We give him a little credit for coming out of it. But what we are doing is we are playing the music, just like Nebuchadnezzar, and we are all worshiping and bowing down to our own experiences and I'm telling you God will not share his glory with anybody and it's just foolishness and in the words of Juanita Bonham it is a joke we have become a joke now I remember um when Tyler Perry's movies first came out I just couldn't stomach to watch them and 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 uh, I think uh, what's his name? Uh, Eddie Murphy. He just came out with the other movie, Norbert, where he was dressed oh, up as a big I, I will never see that. You'd have to put me in a straitjacket for exactly. me to watch that. Exactly. By that time, by the time we had sat, you know, come through the other two movies with Medea, I did not go see that movie. I told myself, I am sick and tired of seeing men in black, men dressed up as big black women. Now, let's keep it real. Uh, the statistics say that the average black woman is overweight. All of the black women who would love to break into acting, but they've been told a thousand times that they're too fat, that they're too big. Why in the world, when a big black woman finally gets a chance, it has to be a man underneath? That's just wrong. Give the big sisters a chance to make their own mark in the community. And I have come to a point I will not sit down and watch another fella dress up as a woman i mean i have had it but the saddest part about it is when there's no strong black male figures the men that want to be real men they look to the nation of islam they do they look to other religions they do. where men are strong and prosperous and they risk not bent and they're not talking with a lisp and that's kind of how i am and that's why i thank god 
for my father when he was living he was a strong man mm -hmm. and I thank God for your father mm -hmm. who is you know oh. a strong example for me a real close friend to me mm -hmm. but we need these kind of men because in order to produce and I, I, I hope you don't mind me saying this but in order to produce a lady of your caliber that's right you need a man right. that is Absolutely. strong enough to stand Absolutely. and not be effeminate. Because mm -hmm. when you're effeminate, see, the spirit of Jezebel is a spiritual castrator of mm -hmm. men. Mm -hmm. So when that spirit of Jezebel comes, she's there to take the male, the, the, the uh, a manhood out of a man and emasculate that man and mm -hmm. there to produce a weak man. And, and I'm going to close with this, but even if you look at even the press conference that Thomas Weeks did, and, and we, we need to pray for Thomas Weeks and Juanita Bonham, all of them need prayer. Mm -hmm. But if you listen to what he's saying, he got served papers by Juanita's ministry. They had two separate ministries. Right. She forbidded them. This is before the fight. She wouldn't let them use her name even in prayer. Mm. And so you got a woman that has her own ministry and then she's teaching all these other women, get your stuff before you get married. Then right. she tells them you can get another one and make him wish he hadn't left you, but don't go back. Well, you got to get one first before you can do that. <laughs> and it seems like and that's the joke of it all. Th that, yeah. That's the big joke, because a real man speaking from a real man's standpoint, don't want no butch woman. <laughs> Amen. Don't want a woman that's not a woman. If you masculine and a woman, you know what? What? What kind of woman are you? You are like a hybrid. Yeah. So we, we we've got women being taught the wrong thing, and I thank God for you, Crystal. And I hope people, when they hear this, they will stop inviting folks that always got. Well, you know, I slept with half the jurisdiction. But God save me. And, you know, stop. You know, I always tell people, you know, Uncle John come to church. A little baby come and give their testimony. At six years old, God save me. Right. And they're like, oh, that's cute. Push them on side. Then Uncle John, 85, done slept with the whole church, done slept with all this in the neighborhood, come to church once a year on Easter. Mm -hmm. Then when he fall in about to die and give his life to the Lord, the church was shot for three or four weeks straight. Oh, yeah. And it's, we got to get out of that mentality and begin to lift up those in our own minds that are doing what God says. Those that are examples of ministers. Those are examples of good people that God would use. And we have to first get in position to be that for ourselves. Amen. So I thank you for coming, Crystal. This has been wonderful. I know it's going to bless people. Thank you. And like I said, I hope people will begin to bring you to talk to their young girls about purity, staying pure, and just being an example to try to shift this negative mindset. Well, I pray that it be so, and I just pray that the Lord continue to use you because you're definitely a, a huge beacon of light in the society, a strong man and a beautiful family, and I just thank God for the opportunity to be here. Well, I thank you, and we'll be back with another X-Cast uh, real soon. Thank everyone for listening, and I hope God continues to bless you.